I'm Jana, the little sister. And I'm Jeff, her big brother. Welcome to Sibling Rivalry, a podcast about our favorite sport, baseball. This week on Sibling Rivalry, we check in on our favorite teams and talk about more harebrained ideas. And we look at a piece of memorabilia that sold for more than the player made in his whole career. No, it's not Josh Fields. Here are the latest SRBB headlines. Korean baseball is making a hit in the U.S. An estimated 173,000 viewers watched the first game on ESPN with the first pitch at 12.55 a.m. MLB to submit a proposal to the Players Union regarding plans for a 2020 season anytime now. Teams playing in three divisions look to be the best bet for a return of baseball. This year's MLB Amateur Draft will be held to just five rounds, down from the usual 40 rounds, making it the shortest draft in sports history. It's time for Dodger Baseball! Time to check in on the Dodgers as we await the 2020 season. It's been no secret to Dodger fans that Clayton Kershaw is not a fan of the Arizona bubble or really any plan that would take him away from his family for an extended period of time. But a new plan might be to his liking. Clayton Kershaw recently said, quote, that he's ready. I mean, I think that sounds great. I hope that's true, that we can start playing games. And I think the best part about the proposal that I heard was that they're trying to get us in our home ballpark so we could play at Dodger Stadium. And, you know, obviously with there wouldn't be fans for a while, but just to get to be in L.A., I get to be at Dodger Stadium again and playing some baseball. That sounds awesome to me for sure. Unquote. So sounds awesome I guess, to us too. Yeah, definitely. Maybe being in familiar confines of Dodger Stadium makes them feel a little bit comfortable. And then I'm sure that they have a house in LA that they would be able to stay at with, you know, with his family. So it would be a better deal for him and probably for other players too. Cause that seems to be the big hiccup in this whole thing. I think the, the familiar surroundings is a big mm-hmm. key. Probably bigger though, is just, you know, he's made it no, no secret that he wants to be around his family. So having some sense of normalcy, which is playing baseball for him and being able to see his family short road trips, that is one thing. Probably if you ask the older players that have older kids, they're probably fine being gone longer or being in a bubble for a few months. (laughs) But he's got little ones. And everybody, anybody who's seen Charlie knows that he's a character. He's probably fun to be around. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure he's he's got to be a lot of fun. So, yeah, I would be in favor of any plan that gets Clayton Kershaw back on the mound. Stadium construction continues at Dodger Stadium. Construction has been deemed an essential business in California. So that construction is going a little bit slower, smaller crew following CDC guidelines, but it's still happening. Originally, they were hoping to have everything done by opening day, March 26th, but a wrench into those plans, but they are continuing. So looks like people have flown some drones over the stadium, helicopters. looks like the eating areas, the social areas behind center field that they're adding are coming along pretty good. They're adding escalators, more escalators, elevators, and also you will be able to walk 
around the entire stadium, which you've never been able to do before. Nope. The home run seats that they've added into the outfield are all done. And then once they have it, then the front of the stadium, which is the outfield, really, when you're walking up from parking, if you've not been there, is will have will become the show place. There'll be a center entrance. You're going to have the Jackie Robinson statue, which is now up on one of the uh, upper entrances, uh, upper reserve entrance area will be moved down there. And then I think originally the plan was the Sandy Koufax statue was to be unveiled in June. I don't know if that's still the plan or if they'll just hold off until everything starts. But at some point, you'll have those statues and any other statues they might decide to erect out there will be all out in this outfield area. It'll be nice. Addition to Dodger Stadium, third oldest ballpark in Major League Baseball. So Dave Roberts has been keeping busy on his Peloton and been talking to some podcasts. And he's gotten, you know, Dave Roberts is usually pretty even keel. I like Dave Roberts. There are times where he's made some decisions and shake my head, hand on my face kind of thing. But I like him. I think he's he's a good manager. But maybe quarantine is brought out a little bit of fire in him. He was recently on the Blev and Dugout Dudes podcast, and he said that anyone who would follow Don Mattingly as a Dodger manager was going to be considered a puppet. So he said it didn't matter what he does, if he does good, if he does bad. It's always it's a catch a 22 for him. <clears throat> exactly. Well, I mean, and I'll, I'll admit I'm I'm one of those people that I've always taken the, the side that he's not making many of his own decisions. So I never fully blamed him, but right. then this last, then this last year, Friedman basically threw him under the bus and said, I'm not, once the game starts, he's on his own, which then makes you question some of his moves. He's lucky on, on the, uh, the offensive side of it is he's got such a stacked, right. if somebody doesn't come through, it's not because it was a bad move or why did you put that 205 hitter in for Cody Bellinger? It's the guy just didn't come through. There's too many hitters, but when it comes to the the pitching staff and, and especially the bullpen, Mm -hmm. he's made some, if he's the one making the decisions, he's made some questionable decisions. So it's not like stats haven't played a part in managers' decisions for as long as the game's been around. Right, exactly. And he did say that whether he takes a pitcher out because he's not throwing well, people are going to say it's analytics. Whether he takes him out, he does well. Um, It's, you know, it's always going to, if it goes bad, it's analytics. And then when he does stuff that goes against analytics, then it's always, well, he should have used analytics to to right. uh, make that decision. So, yeah, catch 22 for Dave Roberts, but I like him. I think he's a good manager, good clubhouse. Them, they have a good clubhouse, and I think the players respect him. So I think it's just part of the game as a manager. You're always going to be second-guessed. Yeah. Is obviously, you know, you're right. 
they're always going to get second guessed. And and they've got a, a great team and have had. The question is, is it they're a player away? And we won't know, you know, how Mookie Betts affects things until we get to an actual place, you know, actual games. Or is he one of those guys who he's a great manager to a point, but he can't seem to to push the team over that hump with his decisions? That's a really good question. I think it's nothing to do with the the players because, you know, as we know, the Dodgers have a really good lineup. I think it might be that that second part that he I think he second guesses himself, too, on certain things. I mean, and or things that are miscommunication, too. I mean, you think about Rich Hill when he was pitching. Um, and of course, I can't think of the what what game it was when they were playing the um was it when they were playing the Astros? Yeah. And Rich Hill was doing, you know, he was doing well, got in a little bit of a, a jam, but was was pitching well. Dave Roberts came out and Rich Hill handed him the ball. And it's like, what are you know, what's going on? Well then later we find out Dave Roberts like, well, I was just coming out to talk to him. But Rich Hill was like, well, I knew he was going to come and take me out. And that I was based on the conversation they'd had. Yeah, they'd had a conversation before the inning and Rich Hill had it in his head. When Dave comes out, that means he's coming to take me out. Dave at no point said, just hold on. And then they got to that point where it was like, well, what else am I going to do? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, well, he handed me the ball. We got to go with it. And then, yeah, we know how the series ended. Um, and, but I mean, of course, that one thing, you know, wasn't the huge thing about that series as we find out, found out later. But yeah, I think some of it is just maybe those gut feelings. Maybe he would do something differently. But yeah, maybe in the back of his mind, he is thinking of the front office and what's going I, I on. Think, I think that that's it. There's too many, too many things happening on either side. And just to correct uh, both of us, the bad <laughs> Dodger fans that we are right at this second, yes. <laughs> it was game four versus the Red Sox. That's right. Not, See, I was thinking the Astros. I was thinking the Astros. Like, I think we're thinking the Astros because... That's all we think about is how much we hate That's the right. Astros. And yes, it anything, had to be the Astros. <laughs> anything bad that really happened had to have happened during the Astros series. Yeah, and when I was, yeah, exactly. And when I was saying it, I thought, is it the Astros? No, it was Red Sox. No, it has to be the Astros. Right. It just has to be. All right. It's so funny because you bring up, you bring up uh, Dave Roberts and the Dodgers have been doing Zoom meetings. Yes. And one of the things that I've seen, because I've gone to the Zoom, the first Zoom meeting, I didn't make the second one. Dave Roberts drinking a big glass of wine. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe quarantine is is getting to him. Yeah, those Zoom meetings, I was at the first one, didn't make the second. The third one had Mookie Betts, Lux, and uh, Walker Bueller. So all of these uh, Zoom parties, they're hosted by Joe Davis and Alana Rizzo, and they're just a lot of fun. They, you know, they get you um, excited about baseball, keeps you connected with the players. It was fun to see. I think the first one you saw Kenley Jansen 
Um, and it was funny because Joe Davis asked him if he was at Foot Locker because right. he was in this closet with all these shoes. I thought um, so. And then he had some kind of a um, some kind of a logo. Yeah. Like, I don't know if because <laughs> normally you would see something like that. You think, oh, wall art. But it didn't look like wall art. It looked like he was in a, a shoe store. Yeah. So you get to see the, you know, the players now. But then you also saw uh, Ron Say, Steve Yeager. And then um, George Lopez was on there. Brad Paisley. So I know it's on been, this last one that fun. we missed, Cedric the Entertainer. Yeah. I'm with you. The one thing that I've liked about it is, is that you're seeing with the players, you're seeing their personalities that you don't normally see during the season. You may see a little bit here and there, but these guys are, you're seeing how they are just hanging out. Right. We did learn on the first one, Will Smith, I guess he doesn't talk a lot. Um, on Zoom parties, he still doesn't talk a lot. <laughs> Justin Turner is in his last season of his four-year contract. He's heading to free agency, whether we have a season or not. Basically, he was talking about that possibility and he said it's definitely something that i thought about a few times and don't want obviously there's a possibility that there's no re there's no season and my dodger career could have ended last year in the playoffs which would be tough it would be sad sad to think about that was in an interview with jorge castillo of the la times and it is sad to think about jt is the face of the dodgers i went back and looked at justin turner's numbers Drafted by the Orioles. The Orioles didn't hold on to him that long. He mostly played in their minor system. Got called up a couple times, but then option back. Traded to the Mets. The Mets sent him to Buffalo and played minor leagues. And then finally came up to play with, with the big club. And he was a second baseman. Then he was a first baseman. Then he was a third baseman. It wasn't until he comes to the Dodgers that he actually becomes, well, he becomes a player that we know him to be now. Right. Yeah. The face of the Dodgers. Right. Is what he really is. He's he's even though he's been there a small amount of time, really, when you think about it, he is become that person. And it, we talked about his wife's podcast the other day. Yeah. The Justin Turner Foundation is such a big part of the L.A. community that when you think Dodgers and you think about work out in the community, you think Justin Turner. He's yeah. out there doing everything. So him not being a Dodger. Yeah, I don't, I think. It doesn't seem reasonable for exactly. either side. Right. And I think that he'll get a contract with the Dodgers, whether it's one year or, you know, whatever they, they come up with. Well, I mean, right now. Friendly, team friendly. Yeah. He'll, he'll take a, a pay cut per se. Oh, yeah. To remain. Because that's the kind. He's a team player and he wants to mm -hmm. be there. Now, as exactly. I mentioned before, I'm fine if the Dodgers don't pursue him because even though he's not been around like Clayton Kershaw has, I think yeah. he has that status that he's earned the right for you to give him another couple of years. Oh, not yeah. just a one-year so. deal, but like a two- or three-year deal, at least a two-year deal. Oh. He's going to be 36, pay him till he's 38, and then... And then do like the Angels did with Albert Pujols, give him a team services contract afterwards so he's an ambassador of the team. If not, Artie Marino, are you listening? Justin Turner could come down and start playing first base for the Angels as 
Albert Pujols transitions out. Good, but I think Justin looks so much better in blue than I, red. I, I agree, think. and that's the one thing I said. But I'm, I'm this is a backup plan. He's got to stay in the area. I really do think the Dodgers will sign him. Probably, you know, more than a year um, is optimal. But right now, all of those type of transactions, any of those talks are frozen, so we right. can't. Um, you know, they can't talk about it, but I am sure that um, JT will be back. This week in Dodger history, on Ladies' Night, May 11th, 1963, Sandy Koufax threw his second of four no-hitters of his career against the San Francisco Giants. The Dodgers beat the Giants eight to nothing. Wow, that's like... A double beating right there. Not only did you get no hit, but you got whacked eight to nothing. And on ladies night. That's right. Oh, what a night. (laughs) The Angels sit in a holding pattern, much like the rest of the league. But there are a few things happening in Halo land. And one of those things happening is good news in that Griffin Canning continues to progress in his rehab. He's throwing bullpen sessions. And while there's no timetable for him, it's definitely a good good sign that he and Shohei Otani will be back. And it will be like they had limited time and were babied through the year after their elbow issues. Yeah. It may be, actually work out good. may work out for for the Angels. Yeah, with uh this extended time that Obviously, nobody nobody wanted or wants. It does help those guys go a little bit slower where they don't feel like they have to rush. Because sometimes that happens, too, with ballplayers when they're injured. They really want to get back to playing, and they think they're ready a little too soon, and then they can re-injure. So in this case, that's good news for the Angels. Much like the Dodgers... The Angels have stadium things going on as well. The city of Anaheim sold Angel Stadium and the adjacent parking lots to Artie Marino. Now coming up sometime here in the next couple of weeks, it has to be submitted by the end of May. Artie Marino is going to submit his proposal for use of the land. The thing that I'm least crazy about with all this the greatest thing about going to Angel Stadium, unlike a lot of stadiums, is, is there's so much parking. It's just easy to get in. It's usually easy to get out. Which is a plus. Right. Now, there's talks about whether they're going to renovate the stadium or build a brand new one, which they could start doing on one area, still play in Anaheim State or in Angel Stadium while that's going on. And... Will will they do that? Will they renovate? That's that's probably the biggest thing. After that, it'll be some housing. The city wants them to put in some affordable housing and park space. They're going to put in a hotel, probably other apartments and condos, retail, restaurants. What happens with the parking then? Doesn't sound like you'll have a lot. No. (laughs) And then will there be a new stadium? That's going to be a huge thing, too, if they build a brand new stadium. Where are they going to build it on the lot? Right. And Angel Stadium was built in 1966. So it is 
getting up there, I guess, in age. We'll see what happens, a new stadium or renovations to to Angel Stadium and what they do with that whole thing. It's going to become a more modern place, and it's to draw more people to that area. Whether they go to the games or not is one thing, but. Right. Yeah, it could be a whole experience, you know, eat dinner at one of the restaurants, go to the game whole right. you know do some shopping i guess but there's a lot of stadiums that kind of have that same type of feel like where they try to bring in external things you know like re- like restaurants or and people flock to them even if they're not going to the game they go to that area because that's kind of like where everything's happening or and even just show the game up on monitors outside right draws people in and yeah so i think It'll be interesting to see what they what they come up with. And also with parking, something that Angel fans will like because obviously they have enjoyed good parking and they'll want to continue. Because I have been stuck. Dodger Stadium. Um, one very memorable was Texas Rangers. And I didn't think we were ever going to get out of the parking lot. We sat there forever and finally made it. It can be tough. Well, once they start working on the stadium stuff, uh, doing all the renovations for that area, whether they build a new one or not, the guy who could come and be the on-site, at least in the off-season, could be the on-site foreman, would be Joe Madden. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Right now, it's perfect because right now he's he lives in Long Beach Right now he's living in his RV while he's waiting for his house, which I think that he, I think I said, I I read is supposed to be available sometime this week, but so he's been living in his RV about a mile from Queen Mary in the Long Beach Harbor Ah. and uh, living there doing Zoom meetings with his coaches, with his players, doing meetings and appearances that were planned for he and his team to go do in person, he's doing them over Zoom and Skype and the other platforms, the video type mm-hmm. platforms. And this is something that he's been doing since he was in Tampa Bay. He wasn't always able to go out and do that. So he started finding doing Skype meetings, having his players do it. So maybe they couldn't go to a certain place. They could still be out in the public. And he's pushed Major League Baseball to get more players, managers, team personnel out into the public, not only to push the game and to be ambassadors for the game, but to make sure that everybody knows that the connection between their city or their area and the team, he's been big on that. He's a great ambassador everywhere. He's been Tampa Bay, Chicago, and he'll be great in Anaheim. Um, Of course he was there before, but as the, as the manager, Yeah, but as the manager, it's even more of a, uh, yeah, premier, I don't know, that spot. Like, there he is, Joe Madden. Right, he's leading the charge now instead of any. Like, the other day I was watching, the uh, they replayed all of the games that the Angels won in the 2002 playoffs. And watching, you could see him sitting there talking with Mike Sosha or doing something on the Mm -hmm. bench or whatever, and it was, like, weird uh, because he looks so young, he's different, but you yeah. forget if you don't pay attention to those things, you forget 
how long and, and a big part he was of the Angels uh, organization. Yeah, so, yeah, I think, he's... I say, I think most people, you know, obviously he was a face of the Chicago Cubs. And so, yeah, you forget about him being with the Angels organization, but him coming back and now being the, the manager, perfect fit. Yeah, he's doing cooking videos. <laughs> he was doing something about crockpots the other day. He's constantly... Nice. He's constantly doing video type things and things to reach out. He's embraced this new technology and it's helping him connect with and stay connected. I, he has a restaurant still in Tampa and he connects with his chef so he can learn new things to cook himself. Nice. He can find out what's going on and how it's working. So that way he's got a better idea. Like I said, it's nothing new, the video conferencing. And then another thing is it, He's like a lot of players. We mentioned Justin Turner earlier has the Justin Turner Foundation. Joe Madden has the Respect 90 Foundation. And just recently, they gave $120,000 donation just for COVID-19 relief. 30000 of that is going to the Women's Shelter of Long Beach to help them during this time. So it's still connected with coronavirus. But they're having a lot of times that uh, victims of domestic violence and that it's even harder right now because people are stuck in places. They're sheltering in place. Right. The problem is, is they're not able to get to a safe shelter. They're stuck within their abusive area. So he's uh, 30,000 of that 120 went to them to help that organization help those people in a better way. So Joe Madden is really reaching out and being part of his community. And he has for all of them. Very thankful to have Joe Madden here with the Angels. And while he's doing that and living out in an RV, Justin Upton has moved into the neighborhood with a lot of his other angel players like Mike Trout, Albert Pujols, to name a couple. Justin Upton bought him a house down in Newport Beach, is now can be neighbors with uh, with, with his teammates. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, I've heard real estate is one of the busiest, I don't know, uh, businesses, I guess, right now, which seems kind of funny because we're all, you know, stay at home but people are buying homes right now. Maybe being living closer. I'm not sure where he was living before, but maybe living in Newport Beach being that area where a lot of the ballplayers flock to. A lot of people, a lot of ballplayers will go there in their off season. I believe Garrett Cole is from there. Yeah, I think he was so. from Huntington Beach, but he lived oh, down yeah. there. Yeah, and they can all carpool. They can all get yeah. together, rent like a Pinto. <laughs> They could put think, the uh, Angels logo on it. There you go. I think Albert Pujols has like an Escort, old Ford Escort. Oh, nice. And then Jay Up and Trout and Pujols can hop in and they can paint it red and put the Angels logos on it. I think that'll be pretty cool. Yeah. I think that's all that would fit in there is the three of them. <laughs> Trout might have to ride on the roof. Yeah. It's a pretty small car. That's it. And and maybe that'll work because they'll probably have to push start it anyway. True. Yep. Now, one of the things that we've talked about and that is out there is service time. Not just for, we talked a lot about it with the minor leaguers. We talked about it with the players, how it'll affect things. One thing has been Anthony Rendon just signed. And the question is, do the Angels lose a year of Anthony Rendon if there's no season? Just Ooh. like the Dodgers don't potentially don't ever get to see Mookie Betts play in a Dodger yeah. uniform. We look at those things and how how this can affect that. 
I've also been thinking about, and I've thought about this since the beginning, or right before all this happened, there was a trade that brought Mookie Betts to LA. Yep. Was also supposed to spur a trade that would send Ross Stripling and Jock Peterson to the Angels. Yes. Now, when all that happened, neither Jock nor Ross seemed happy about it. They didn't say a lot, but the little bit that we got from them, they were kind of unhappy because they liked being Dodgers. It says a lot about the Dodger organization that they wanted to be there. Yeah. Then, of course, it took forever because of all the back and forth between the Sox, the Dodgers, the Twins, and it became two separate deals between the twins and the Dodgers and the Dodgers and the, and the Red Sox. Right. And in that Artie Marino got upset and said, no. Yeah. I got impatient. He did completely. And I think while he made one good move in pursuing Anthony Rendon, his impatience, I feel cost the team. Now I'm like a lot of people that I'm fine with Jock Peterson being a Dodger that's fine with Ross Stripling being a Dodger. But from my standpoint, for the Angels, they needed two guys. They're not superstars, but they're solid ball players. And we needed a couple of more solid pieces, especially pitching. Yeah. Ross Stripling would have been a great addition to the Angels uh, pitching staff. And Jock Peterson in seasons past, I mean, he plays, but he doesn't play every day. He doesn't. He doesn't hit against um, left hand. Yeah, righties. I'm being a really bad Dodger fan right now. But yeah, so he doesn't play all the time. But in Anaheim, he would have had that opportunity. He would have he would have anchored down right field. We wouldn't have had to rush or, or worried about when Joe Adele's going to make it up. He could platoon with Brian Goodwin. Ross Stripling, depending on how it went, could have been a number one pitcher or at least number two, depending on what Andrew Haney does. We still have to see, we have, a, a you know, another veteran, a real veteran in Julio Tehran. We have to see how he's going to, to do. Will he have a, just a solid season or will he be, is he on his decline? Dylan Bundy, who we got from the Orioles, will the change in scenery help? So there's so many questions about this. Ross Stripling could have been a solid piece and a steady piece. Recently, even Ross Stripling started thinking about what could have been as much as he is happy to be a Dodger and was happy when the trade fell through. He's looking at that. He's not going to be a starter, at least not at the beginning. Julio Urias was placed in there in the starting rotation along with Alex Wood. He's left out as far as startings and he wants to start. He yeah, could have been a starter in Anaheim. Yep, definitely. Yeah, Ross Stripling is one of those guys that um, he's been everywhere. He started, he's been in the bullpen, middle relief. It, you know, he's just everywhere. As much as I love to see him in Dodger blue, I can also see for him career-wise going to Anaheim would have, would have been a boost um, for him to start in a rotation. The Angels made a huge mistake not following through with that trade. And I think it's a huge mistake if they don't 
see if they can still maybe get something going once everything opens up again. That'd be interesting to see. Yeah, if they do. And I think, too, we wanted to see him be successful. So I think being a true baseball fan, even though we all have our teams that we root for and really it's about being excited for the player that, yeah, was on your team and they go out and throw a no hitter or you're still excited for them. You know, that kind of stuff where it's just baseball driven, not necessarily team driven, you know, where you're just always rooting for that team and you don't see anything else going on in the league. So I think that's a big part of being a baseball fan is seeing the good, the exciting going on anywhere, except for the Astros. I don't see anything exciting there. talked about different proposals to make the 2020 season a reality, including our own harebrained ideas like Survivor Ball, Thunderdome, Baseball on Mars. Yeah, all great ideas, by the way. I, I agree. At first, I didn't think so, but the more I think about it and the more I read and see other ideas, I don't think we're that far off base to make things happen. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think Survivor Baseball really could be a thing. It could uh, yeah. be the next big thing. Be awesome. Bill Shaken of the LA Times got into the act as well. I don't know if he listened to the podcast and was inspired by Survivor Ball or Thunderdome or I Mars. like to think so. Yeah, I'd like to think think so too. I did email him to see, but I hadn't, I haven't heard anything back. <laughs> uh, anyway, in a recent article, "Better Baseball on TV: What MLB Can Learn from Bachelor and Millionaire." Obviously, with all this downtime, it's given a lot of people time to think about, ooh, what could we do to baseball to make it more entertaining? And then, of course, there's usually that caveat: only for this season, right? Only can only only be for, for this, this season. season. So. Part of it's like, why do we continue to bother with this if we're just going to have a circus of a season anyway? This is going to be like the gong show baseball season. <laughs> yeah. Then let's just do that. Let's stop with all this serious proposals. I think that's another idea. The <laughs> gong show. You can have a big gong and then you have the judges, you know, and they could be in, they could go through Skype or Zoom or whatever. And they could judge on batting stance or running, whatever, like any kind of style. What did you and think then of that last swing. Yeah, and if the, they don't like it, and they and the player gets the gong, they're out. Right, I like it. Out of the game or just out for that? No, one just out. an out. Yeah, just an out. Ooh, I like that. I mean, in the Astros, they would feel right at home, right? Because it's a gong. <laughs> they'd actually, they'd actually think that uh, that. They knew what pitch was coming. <laughs> That's right. They'd be like, what do you mean like, I'm out? <laughs> that was supposed to be a curveball. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he reached out to, you know, being here in L.A., uh, he reached out to some of the TV types, uh, people like uh, Mike Fleiss, who is the creator and producer of The Bachelor. That, yes. And asked, what did he think? He had one idea about miking up the players, which we've seen done, you know, here and there. But since there aren't any fans, 
you know, having some of the players mic'd up that that might be something, but I don't know. Well, they've already been doing that to some extent. And maybe some of it, I'm not a big fan of like in-game interviews, except for during like the All-Star game. That was kind of entertaining when somebody was up to bat and they were talking to him. But in a real game that means something, that I don't I don't like. But they can they could do that. And I think he also says directional mics in different places on the field. You'll be able to hear some of the chatter, some of the trash talk. I think they even talked about uh, there was an MLB.com article about biggest trash talkers in per team. Yes. Yeah. We would actually get to hear some of that. That would be that could be fun. I think you mentioned Battle of the Network Stars last week. Yes. It becomes something like that where you've got the guy the teams kind of John back and forth. And obviously they'll have to have it on a delay because they're gonna oh, talk yeah. how they talk. Motivational buzzwords. Fun. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it could be fun and it that. wouldn't really and it really wouldn't take away um a lot, you know, from the game because it is something that has been done before, you know, having like Dino Ebel has been mic'd up before, you know, the third base coach for the Dodgers or, you know, that kind of thing. So it wouldn't be too far off from what has already been done before. It would be entertaining and educational because when Dino Ebel was mic'd up, you learned a lot about baseball. Yeah, definitely. He He was very informative on what was going on why he would do something, what he's looking for to decide to send a runner or what to do. It was, it was riveting stuff, at least for me. Yeah, no, it was interesting to listen to him. Now, the other thing that he talks about is, you know, if you watch The Bachelor, um, I know in your household, The Bachelor is big. It's not so much in my household, but in your household, it's big. And it's the rose. That's like the big thing. You know, I'm who's going to get the rose? And so the manager, his idea would be the manager, I guess, has a bucket of roses or they have one rose <laughs> and they get to uh, give. It could be like a wild card. And he could give the rose to the batter to uh, to come up. And well, yeah. Uh, so let's say that the Dodgers are up. Dave Roberts is sitting there. They're in a yeah. It's in a in a tight situation in the game. Bases are loaded, and Gavin Lux is coming up. And yeah. Gavin's having a bad game. He's not hitting well. At that moment, Dave Roberts could give the rose to say Cody Bellinger if he's not on base. Yeah. Or to Max Muncy or somebody that he knows can come through, who somebody that's hot right at that moment. And they would come up and bat for him without it jeopardizing his place in the game already. Right. So basically bat out of order, if that's the case, by giving him the rose. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure about the rose, but I do like, well, I'm not that thing. I do like that he did say the ultimate rose is reinstating uh, Pete Rose. That was the one who does thing need I to be in the Hall of Fame. Yes, I absolutely agreed with him <laughs> on that. Another TV guy mentioned in the article is a guy named Scott Coffer. He's a writer and producer of TV, uh, including being a producer of the sports agent comedy Arliss. Remember that with Robert Wool? I do remember that. Yep. So he was uh, connected to that. He had, I think, of all the ideas 
in this article. I think he had the best couple of ideas, which one of them was the one fan sweepstakes. Yeah. Be the one fan that gets to go into the stadium. Everything, you know, the food is brought to you. Have the whole experience. Kind of like that. Yes, that wherever you want. And you get to be the designated fan, which I thought sounded pretty cool. Right. You would be, when they put the attendance in the box score, it would just be one. That would be so cool. Attendance one, Jana. Yeah. And you, you could set wherever. So you could set in the owner's box. You could set behind home plate, wherever, you know, you always wanted to set to be. And so. every inning you could move to a new set behind the dugout, set behind home plate. If you wanted to go to the top and set in the upper deck, you could do that. You could sit yep. out in the outfield hoping for a home run. In fact, yeah. you could figure it out. Oh, hey, the home run hitters are coming up in the bottom of this inning. I'm going to go sit in the outfield. And then when the seventh inning stretch comes, you would be encouraged to sing, take me out to the ball game. Yeah, you'd have to, uh, you get picked up in a limo that it was, uh, which would be really cool. But then it was, take me out to the ball game. Take me out. I'm the crowd. There you go. <laughs> I like that. They'd have the the food would be free for them. Probably other things. Give them, you know, team gear. Oh yeah. From the home team, all of that. They're announced over the over the loudspeaker. They throw out the first pitch. And now, would the first pitch be like the first pitch in the Korean baseball, where they had the kid <laughs> in the bubble? Because that right, he walked to. He walked yeah. in the bubble too. That would be awesome. I think that would be fun. So, yeah. So your name gets announced on the PA. It, it would be up on the, um, on the, on the board. So, you know, on the scoreboard. I think um, the only they, thing that would be awkward. Kiss cam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I maybe just not do that. No, that could be funny though. It He's also. Be. He's also the one that brought up, I think, the uh, who wants to be a millionaire side of things. Not so much the questions, but using the idea of lifelines. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what are you going to do in a certain situation? And there's the manager. We'll go with Joe Madden. And he's like, I'm going to go with a lifeline. And then you would have a survey, you know, or a poll. And then it would come up and say, well, 39% say you should walk in or, you know, 50% say you should pitch or whatever, you know, right. the, the, it is. Or you could phone a fan. Oh, that would be so cool. But then you could end up being like Steve Bartman because what if you really mess well let's hope that it's up. not that big of a of a deal <laughs> but yeah but the see now see this would work for like dave roberts we were talking before yeah he could he could go to that and then ignore it and still make a bad call should i yeah. bring in kenley jansen now or joe kelly should i pinch hit for this player or and this is one thing because they just mentioned involving the fans which I uh -huh. know is the biggest thing. This is the one thing they're doing. How's it exciting to get the fans all involved? And I get that. And and people would be excited, even if you weren't a true baseball fan, to be the only fan at a game 
people would sign up like crazy for that. And then they'd watch just because they'd want to see what is that like? What do they get to do? Yeah. Imagine, you know, they have those little things during the innings when you have to pick which you play all the games. What ball is the hat and what hat is the ball? Oh, right. Yeah. Um, Do you get to do the, the thing? They always take a little kid and they run from like down the third base line and they run and they pick up third base to steal a base and then bring it back. Do you do all of those things? Maybe. You You could do do all of those. So you get the full stadium experience. Then with this, people signing up to phone a fan. Mm -hmm. So you could sign up for both. Right. And then if you don't get picked to be the fan, you can still be in the mix to be called for your advice. And then maybe they should take and go and get like some retired managers or baseball players. And it could be phone an expert, phone a fan. Right. Yeah. That could be, that could be really good. Have an app for it. Mm -hmm. And then everybody just votes on their app. Those are things that if you're going to do these types of things, now, obviously the, the whole lifeline thing that's in our circus league year. Yeah. The fan thing though, of winning to be the fan to come to the game, whether you're only one or maybe they do like, Hey, we're going to get 10 fans will be selected to come to this game. And you get to set in different areas of the park, uh, or you could sit all in the same area, but you're socially distanced. Right. That could be something that's workable that you could actually put into play. So you could still have some small fandom, but not the silliness of some of these other things, which are fun. Don't get me wrong. But if you're going to do this, Survivor Baseball, I think, beats them all. I think that is the number one on the list is Survivor Baseball. And number two is Thunderdome. Survivor Baseball. We could do Survivor Baseball in Thunderdome and the Gong Show. We could incorporate all three together. Yes. Yeah. Well, if you're going to do so. it, go big, go home, right? That's right. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to do it, you got to go. You got to go all out. No, don't hold back. The third person that Bill Shaken talked to and contributed to this article is a guy named Bob Mills. Uh, He is a senior vice president at ABC in charge of reality and late night programming. He had a couple of, he had one idea that I was really fine with that does work regardless of what, how the season plays out. If there's no fans, which we know there's not going to be, but if there's no fans, why not do holograms? Yeah. Holograms. I mean, and then have, then have people. You know, you're like you or I, we can donate money that goes to a charity to be in the, you know, we've got the, the seat right behind home plate. And obviously it would cost, you know, you and I, we probably could afford to sit out in the upper deck in the last seat in left field. Probably. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, or be like uh, Bob Euchre's seat in, uh, in the old Miller Lite commercials, <laughs> you know, obstructed view behind a pole somewhere with That's whatever right. But you could put people into those stands and then all of the all of the celebrities and the big money people could all donate the large parts of money and, uh, you know, lot bigger sums of money 
and be there in this crowd. And then that way it looks like there's people there. Why not use that technology? Yeah, because it's out there. I mean, they've had concerts with uh, holograms. So why not? Take, have a hologram of Harry Carey singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Oh, yeah. That'd be awesome. Gene Autry cheering on the angels and maybe do a hologram from him when he was younger singing Back in the Saddle. Yeah, that'd be perfect for opening game, Back in the Saddle. I like that. That one I that one I liked. A couple of the others he had were more like the problem with baseball is is the length. Yeah. Standard baseball games around three hours. But when you look at it, football, NFL football games three hours, and that's time. Yeah. Basketball games are time. They can go on for that long as well. His idea was, and once again, if you're gonna do it this way, you know, if, if we're gonna do baseball as a TV show as a sideshow kind of thing, then you might as well do this, but put a time limit on it and then it's only a two hour show. So it doesn't yeah. matter. You're not going to get how many innings. It doesn't matter how many innings you play. You're going to play two hours. So if you play four innings in two hours, the game's over. Yeah. And then, and then we can address like last week, ties and home run derbies. Yeah. But he wants that, something like that. So that way, and the one point he makes that I do agree with, you would have to manage differently. That player that you're holding off towards the end of the game to pinch hit or a pitcher that you would bring in later in the game, you'd have to say, oh, we're only in the fourth inning, but I have 12 minutes left of the game. I need to go ahead and pinch hit Shohei Otani. I need to bring in Araldus Chapman, I need, or whoever, you know, the yeah. big name, Kinley Jansen. I'm not going to let him sit on the bench all the time and take a chance that I'm going to run out of time before. On that side of it, yeah, it opens up. It's a nice mental exercise of mm-hmm. how you're going to play the game and manage the game. But, sure. but otherwise, that's the thing about this game. When anybody starts talking about um, time or shortening the game, they just lose me at that point because I just like to think maybe they don't understand baseball. And the final thing in this article, which I believe also went to, to Rob Mills, and this is something too that probably should be used not only on the, that particular platform, which is TikTok, but all social media platforms. I've never been on TikTok. I don't really have a clue. Overall, it seems like every time that I hear something about TikTok, somebody's doing a dance on it. I don't know yeah. if that's the whole purpose of it is for the world to dance through TikTok. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but that's not a bad idea of having the players, especially connecting with younger fans. Yeah, that was a good one to connect with the younger fans, get them watching, because that is one segment that we do really need to get in the ballparks and watching ball games is that younger the younger fans if we put games on during the day more access to games saturday afternoon games more daytime games things like that that make it more accessible i remember when the yankees and the red sox had a one-game playoff i believe that was 1978 mom came and got me out of school so I could go home and watch that game. 
Uh, she was a great mom because she used to pick you up, I think, when you were all into uh, General Hospital, too. So you could see uh, <laughs> Luke and Laura. She did stuff like that. And yeah. So but yeah. baseball, when baseball was on like that, if there was day games, they let me stay up late. We lived in Virginia. And yeah. The, it was uh, the 1974 World Series, Dodgers and A's. And they let me stay up late to watch the game. The one game I remember specifically, the Dodgers won. The Dodgers got beaten that series. Yeah. Dodgers went to the World Series a lot in the 70s. They just didn't win any. I just remember it being midnight in Hampton, Virginia, and me jumping up and down because the Dodgers won. I think that was the only <laughs> game they won in the series. But they let me stay up to watch that. Mom got me out of school. I don't know a lot of parents that are doing that. And a lot of it doesn't yeah. matter. They, they, there is nothing for them to do because these games aren't on until night time anyway. Yeah. And then they do have to go to bed or whatever. Yeah. We had in our household, we had good, um, our parents had priorities and they were good priorities. So yes. work hard, watch baseball. On our last episode, we announced the winner of the MLB The Show Players League. This week, we have another winner. The Yankees beat the Reds in the Dream Bracket. Seven-game series. Seven-game series, and the Yankees came out on top in that seventh game. Going into the seventh game, it was tied up, and the uh, Yankees beat Cincinnati 11 to six. Um, the Yankees offense was powered by Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle, and Yogi Berra. They combined for 11 homers, 28 RBIs, and 68 total bases over the course of this uh, series against the Red. Uh, one of the biggest at-bats came in the eighth inning of game six with New York down to its last four outs when DiMaggio cracked a go-ahead two-run homer off of Araldis Chapman. It's crazy. Think about it. The oldest franchise in baseball versus the most successful franchise in baseball history. The true heroes of Yankee baseball. Yeah. Even if you hate the Yankees, these are the names that we all hold in reverence. Yes. Every baseball fan. It's yep. crazy. And the Reds weren't any slouches either. They no. had members of the big red machine like Johnny Bench, Joe Morgan, Pete Rose. Frank Robinson was part of that team. I think one of the newer members of the team was like Joey Votto, one of the more yeah. recent. Uh, Tom Seaver was one of the pitchers. Mm -hmm. They were both really strong teams, but it's hard to beat Gehrig, Ruth, DiMaggio. <laughs> yeah. It's Mickey hard Mantle, to beat those guys. And Yogi yeah. Berra. If you missed this first dream bracket, it is coming back. So this week, MLB revealed the matchups, and it's going to be 64 of the greatest single-season teams in Major League history. So this is going back before it was a mixture of, you know, Hall of Famers, 
MVP. So a little bit, you know, old, the best, new. The best players uh, in the history of a team. Yeah, the best of the best. And now it's a single season team that is the greatest single so, season. Fans can get involved once again. You can pick teams at MLB.com for a chance to win prizes before the round of 64 begins the week of May 18th and select games will stream on MLB.com and MLB networks, uh, Twitch throughout the tournament. So something fun to do until baseball gets back. We'll wrap things up this episode with just a basic question. What if in your life you only made in your career, you only made about 160,000 total dollars only to find out something that connected to you sold for roughly four times what you made over your lifetime. Just recently, a shoeless Joe Jackson baseball card from 1910 sold at auction for $492,000. That'll wrap it up for this week's Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. Remember, you can find us at our website, SiblingRivalryBB.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at SiblingRivalryBB. As well as Twitter at SiblingRivalryBB without the A. Email us, show at SiblingRivalryBB.com. Join us next week as we consider the effects of a lost season on players' careers. Including their pursuit of the Hall of Fame and other milestones. We also scraped together 69 cents to get a Topps Josh Fields car. Yeah!